Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, Blade Disgusting's horror video game podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Bob. And for this month's edition of Horror Bites, we're slightly changing things up in honor of it being the spookiest month of the year, as we're thrilled to have our first guest for Horror Bites. For those that are unfamiliar, Horror Bites is the monthly segment in which Neil and I each highlight a bite-sized indie title that can typically be completed in less than an hour. But as we have a guest this time around, Neil and I are only bringing two titles apiece to the table while our guest selects four. But before we introduce our guest... Just a quick reminder that while some of these titles we'll be discussing may be free, we believe it's important to support the developer's hard work, so if you can, please support them through their Itch.io, Steam, or Patreon pages. And links, of course, as always, will be provided in the blog that can be found on bladedisgusting.com. Now that all the housekeeping's out of the way, it's time to introduce our guest. If you're a horror fan who frequents Twitter, you'll know him by his page, at Horror Visuals. So without further ado, Herc, welcome to the show. Uh, hello, thank you for having me. I'm Herc, aka Horror Visuals. Uh, as you said, if you are a, an avid horror fan using Twitter, you've probably seen me uh, talking about rambling about horror games. Uh, yeah, it's it's great to be here, and I'm excited to talk to you about horror games. Yeah, we thought you would be a perfect fit for a Horror Bites guest, as you know we're obviously fans of your page, um, but also just the fact that you have cultivated this really great audience that is all about supporting, you know, indie devs. You, of course, on your page, you ask devs and people that are involved in games to, you know, share these indie projects. And you do a really great thread every week uh, to kind of highlight those games that probably don't have the marketing budget that they wish they did. But, you know, a way to get the word out about these really, really fantastic titles. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it is a bit tough for them out there. Uh, it is so hard to get discovered in this day and age of social media because everything is done with marketing campaigns. For everything, you have to pay something to some social media channel. And uh, because it was something that I had struggled with all my life, because I was an artist for a long time and I tried to get my art to mm. bigger audiences and I failed. And uh, I just wanted to do something right for these people because I grew the uh, page with uh, classic horror games, like nostalgic horror games that people really liked. But after it took over, uh, it took off, I decided I should do something different with this. I should give something back to these people. So, yeah, we found out that Horror Friday really works. It's a bi-monthly event that I do like twice a month. And I ask developers to share their horror games or just updates from them. And I retweet them. I help them. And it also helps people to go into this thread whenever they want and see what these developers are up to, what updates they have to share. It's it's usually a, a generally a great, uh, wholesome uh, initiative that people just like to gather around and talk about indie horror. Yeah, you know, that's how Neil and I have found out about a number of indie horror games that, you know, have slipped through the cracks as tuned in as the pair of us are into the indie horror space or just the horror space in general, right? At the end of the day, you can't keep track of everything that's released, everything that's announced. So like I said, you've done a great job of kind of cultivating this community that is all about, you know, getting the word out about games, whether people already know about them or in most cases, you know, it's these games that you wish they had a bigger sort of marketing budget or audience that was aware of the games that uh, they're currently developing. So yeah, 
I'd love to uh, kick things off, though, Herc, with you for picking your first game that you brought to the table for us to talk about today. Yeah, sounds good. For my first game, I would like to talk about The Floor is Breathing by Totally Fungal. I, I've been seeing this game for a while and I wanted to play it. I believe I posted about it uh, once even and uh, I've seen a big YouTuber play it, but I never played it myself. So I decided it would be a good pick. So at first, uh, it looked like a game that has the, like, every popular horror gimmick right now. It has VHS, analog horror, liminal spaces, and lots of symbolism. Horror gamers like symbolism a lot these days. And, uh, but, <laughs> but instead of just, uh, leaning heavily into these aesthetics, uh, the developer also seemed to create a, a captivating story, which, which really is that. It captivates you, uh, throughout the whole playthrough. I was very curious about where this was all going because uh, obviously it's a bit easy to figure out what it's about, but it still catches you off guard by the end. Uh, it's basically about uh, four people, I think, going missing around one particular house and the player exploring what happened to them, basically. Um, I think one of my favorite things about this game was the sound design. And, and it's, it's usually not something I'm very particularly interested or invested in. Uh, but, but this one just did something to me because the floor actually breathes and it's an interesting concept. It's something unusual and the sound it makes or, or the other environmental sounds that you can hear while the floor is breathing really made the game for me. There will be moments that I, that you would stay in silence and darkness and and observe the environment while while suddenly hearing someone breathe right next to your ear. Things like that really creep me out. Um, other than that, I think in general they really nailed the small one person yeah. apartment atmosphere. And I personally have always found the house or apartment environment scarier. Because it is a place that is supposed to feel safe at all times, because it's your space. But in the game, you get this dreadful feeling that your safe space has now been invaded by something. <laughs> Even just the idea of that is very scary to me. But this game in particular really managed to nail that whole concept in a pretty good way. After you see the ending, it's it even is a bigger shocker. So, so yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed this one, I think. It was short, sweet, pretty, Absolutely. and very simple to play and understand in general. It didn't try too hard. It wasn't as ambitious, and it was just the right amount of indie horror. Well said. Neil, how did uh, The Floor is Breathing land for you? Yeah, it's an interesting approach you know, to sort of flip it around and be from the viewpoint of you know, the bad guy, effectively. Yeah, and... Um, but then also sort of flipping back and forth uh, to the victims you pointed away, but never being sure if that's what you're doing. You know, it, so it was a very disorientating way of doing things, which worked perfectly for what it's doing. Um, but straight from the title screen, which is this you know, hypnotic, trippy thing going on, which you know, puts emphasis on the whole, the floor is breathing. Vibes, you know, the, the, the screen is just like pulsing with breath effectively. And yeah, that in itself, when you talk about sound hurt, it was like, yeah, it straight away, it was like, oof. Yeah, it's something unsettling about what it's doing. And 
yeah, the game itself um, is well structured. You know, it goes with the old repetition with escalation sort of method, which is great. You know, when it's done well, um, and I tell you what, it genuinely caught me off guard um, early on when you turn around and you see a face in the dark, and like which is a rare thing, you know, because games usually either play that up, you know, and big stab of music or something like that. It was just there. And it's just leering in the dark. And I actually, I was just stood there, just not doing anything in the game, just froze, waiting for something to happen. And when it didn't, and I finally sort of moved towards it, it sort of fades away. It was like, oh, okay. I was, um, I, you know, I mean, it didn't get to that height again, maybe, but I still think it you know, was a good example of, like, building sort of unease about, as you were saying, about your home not being as safe as it should be. Um and when it takes that little trip later in into the game and, you know, you have that sort of street scene, which, again, I won't go into too far. But, yeah, that is just brilliant. All of it just feels like a dream, effectively, you know, like someone reliving, you know, the things that haunt them or, or whatever. And, yeah, it's a really effective little piece of horror, it has to be said. Yeah, you know, the way that Herc described it, right, there's a lot of these variables in the game that are very familiar or they're very commonplace with these types of bite-sized experiences. Mm. The analog VHS style of things kind of going around one environment more or less for the entire experience. But I really loved that twist, as you said, right? The idea that, oh, you're actually in the killer's shoes and you're in the killer's shoes, but it's not so much just like, oh, well, I'm going to you know walk around with a knife or a weapon to go kill my victims, right? It's more focused with highlighting the psyche of that person. And I thought that that was really, really well done. And it plays into, you know, their perception of reality and how, you know, moment to moment, it might be normal for a minute. But then, of course, you know, you see how their psyche twists their perception of the world in these things. I mean, you have that to-do list, right? Which is one of the only things that you can really interact with. But when you bring it up initially, it kind of has this strange routine where it's like, oh, check the front door, watch TV, check under the bed for monsters, go to sleep. But periodically that will change. And it goes from these very sort of monotonous things to, you know, having details about the case that, you know, of course are from the future of the case. Um, And I thought that that was really interesting, you know, to not only give the player more insight into the story and the world and the characters, which you don't see a great deal of them, but at the same time, you know, it's informing them of, you know, the the atrocities that, of course, uh, have transpired within that house. Um, and, you know, again, to Herc's point, the sound design is pretty stellar, I think. You know, whether or not it's that breathing mechanic, which is, you know, very unsettling, just the way that sound bounces around that very small space. Like in one moment, a telephone rings and you can pinpoint the location of the telephone just by following the sound in a way yeah. that has really stellar sound design. I think that this was one of the few games that you had to actually like install. And so that production value really does come through in a way um, that I think sells the experience that, you know, makes it more than just some of those, uh, you know, some of those category tags that you could attribute to it on itch.io or whatnot. So yeah, this was a really, really strong piece, I thought. And one that, you know, switches things up. It lets you be in the killer's shoes and it's not overly concerned with, just being like super gruesome or gory. It's more about, you know, evoking the feel of uncertainty in one's own reality, which 
I think goes really, really well yeah. with the idea of being in the shoes of a killer. Yeah, the floor yeah. is breathing was definitely a strong start to uh, to our chat. But Neil, why don't you kick things off with your first pick of the month? Yeah, so you know, as ever, I go in pretty dark on one pick, and that can have mixed results, uh, it has to be said. But um, yeah, I always seem to find things are a bit off and weird. And the House of Time 3D by uh, <laughs> was it? Uh, sorry, Tim Leonard is definitely that. Um, the, the biggest thing that surprised me here is made in Unreal Engine 5 it was like oh that's a cool use of it you know because you know, for all the talk of what those sort of engines can do um, you know, having it sort of drawn back to something that was you know, very 1980s sort of style you know four colour 3D sort of game and yeah, this was made for a game jam GB game jam 10 and basically you go into this house that's been corrupted by a mutated vegetation and you're basically trying to unlock doors, go around, um, avoid and attack these, well, time, yeah, basically the herb, uh, um, which looks ludicrous, but kind of works. I, I love the sort of the aesthetic of it anyway, because you know, that said four colors, very simple, but with that sort of modern tweak that it's, you can tell it wasn't made in the 1980s, you know, it's, um, Got that sort of refinement to it. Got a little um, Body Snatchers Day of the Triffids vibe to it as well, which you know, is always a winner for me. Um, bit aimless, I have to say. You know, it gets to a point where you're like, well, what am I supposed to be doing? Where am I supposed to be going? And I know that's the point, but it, it's um, it's a thing we get with game jam things. Is that you know there are things that have to be sacrificed. As we said before and. Uh, you know, you, you aren't going to get everything on point and nailed down. But yeah, it's a little concept idea. I was quite happy about it. You know, it's um, did it, it was memorable in its own little way. Absolutely, Herc. How did you find House of Thyme? I think I think that's that's the the word I would use for it. It was a memorable experience, mm-hmm. and and I had no idea that it was made in the Unreal Engine. Uh, because you really don't expect mm. uh, it. It's it's a game that I, it's a game type that I am very alien to. Yeah. I guess we can call it a dungeon crawler, yeah. maybe. Yeah, basically. Uh, and 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 the the one thing that I I remember really liking about this game was the music. Oh yeah, it was it, it had really good music, yeah. and I I liked that it was hard to. Um, just just hard to go places just to know where you're supposed to go mm. because you don't have a map and every everything is dark and you have these creatures that are roaming around so it it was very hard to just just go where you're supposed to go because you're also supposed to find keys or or other metroidvania elements and while it made it a bit challenging, I, I sort of like appreciated it yeah. because I I guess that's what they were going mm. for. Yeah. It's it's an arcade gameplay. I I I am not a fan uh, of those games, but considering that it is made for that particular uh, audience, I guess it, I can see it being very charming. And I would actually want to see them, you know, develop further into this, go further into yeah, this uh, idea, just make something bigger, maybe with. Uh, even more colors, more uh, types of uh, creatures, 
and maybe give a map to the player, <laughs> just, just, an, just yeah. like an easy yep. mode, uh, then maybe I would, I would be really be interested in it. But yeah, in general, it was, it was a cute, pretty small game and it was unusual. I think yeah. it was memorable. Like I will never forget about this game. That's probably the best compliment you could give to one of these, you know, bite-sized experiences, right? They only have yeah, a certain yeah. amount of time. They only have a certain amount of like scope in terms of what they can put into this bite-sized experience. And so long as it's memorable, Neil and I have found that, you know, that makes for experiences that are well worth the 15 to 30 minutes sometimes that these things require. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm totally in agreement with you guys, right? I think that this game looks fantastic. I love that style that they're evoking. It reminded me yeah. of uh, kind of like a dungeon crawler, first-person shooter from Bungie back in the day called uh, Pathways into Darkness, which yeah. like that's kind of what yeah. it reminded me of a little bit, but just because of like the way that it handled too, and it was a little aimless. You have to find these keys and come across monsters that you have to fight. I like everything about House of Thyme other than, you know, how it handled. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was not <laughs> wild about, you know, having to stop and then strafe and then position myself because it is, you know, very uh, influenced, I think, by like survival horror. I think you get, can get hit three times by one of those enemies and then you're yeah. dead kind of thing. Um, but, you know, other than that, I would say that for an experience that is clearly trying to evoke an older school style of not only design, but like aesthetic – I think that they nailed it with that, right? And while it's not something that I'm necessarily going to return to anytime soon, it's something that is very memorable, I find. And, you know, like Herc said, it's the type of project where if they maybe continue with that and we can see a new iteration of that maybe or tightening up of certain features, there's a strong foundation there, I think, in something Mm -hmm. that, you know, is using tech that I didn't even realize it was using. Like Neil said, it's on the Unreal (laughs) Engine. Um, So I think that that's a strong start for something that, you know, maybe is not a hundred percent my jam, but I think that it's memorable enough that uh, it's well worth recommending to people maybe that have older school sensibilities of PC games, perhaps. Yeah. And uh, just to shout out the music, that's by Angelo Stancher, I believe. So uh, they have a SoundCloud. Music, so definitely worth checking out on that basis. Yeah. yeah. I really good music. Okay. So, you do next, Sanjay. Yeah. So, my uh, first pick of the month is going to be Broken Through from Jordy Boy, a.k.a. Jordan Lindgren, who did the shopping list, which was a horror bite that we covered earlier in the year. And one of Neil and my favorite experiences so far this year, I would say, in that category, in that regard. So, Broken Through picks up seven years after best friend Leo Williams is declared dead after his mysterious disappearance. The player discovers a strange game amongst Leo's possessions, a game that alters the player's perception of reality, making for a dark descent into a technological nightmare. So basically, you're inheriting your best friend's things, you go through it, you find this computer game that is essentially filled with the souls of people that have gone missing over the different eras, and there's a killer or a deity of sorts behind that, right? It's this thing that's preying on people. And each level of the game is a different bite-sized sort of horror vignette that tells about, you know, their experience and how they died or, you know, their mental state or these different things. I would attribute it to being reminiscent of like the VHS anthology horror movie series, right? It's got this foundation of the game and then it has these four horror stories that are, you know, short but sweet and to the point in kind of channeling their 
various uh, scares and things like that and the themes that go along with them. You know, this is, I would say, it's different than Shopping List in the fact that it's a little less connected, right? It's a little, There's a little bit less of that connectivity between the narrative. So narratively speaking, yeah. it's not as maybe concise or direct, but what it lacks in that regard, I think it makes up for in displaying, you know, Jordan's ability to create several different types of horror experiences in one package. Um, and as it was true of the shopping list, I think that the production value and just some of the features that maybe we would view in a three full AAA production as being like stock standard for an experience like this, again, that is more bite-sized, that is a smaller team, like just Jordan or some of other people that were uh, working on this with them. It's the type of thing that it just, it impresses me so much how thought out a lot of this game is, how the presentation has multiple types of experiences. I mean, the game begins with you driving, going to the store to get food, unpacking your apartment, and then you dive right into this, you know, computerized hell that has a variety of uh, different scares and almost like different mini mini episodes, if you will. Um, mm. And then it all ties together in a nice package, I thought. Um, but yeah, this was, again, some a great follow-up. While different, I think that it displays, you know, a strong understanding of just telling a variety of scares rather than maybe not everything has to be so interconnected, I suppose, from beat to beat. Uh, Herc, how did you find this one? Um, so first of all, I like to say I appreciate how it surprised me because I, when I started the game, I just expected it to be, you know, just a PSX style horror mm-hmm. game. We have a lot of them these days. But first, it made me drive a car. <laughs> now, now you don't really do that much in horror games these days. And I appreciated that. And after that, it made me buy shady potato chips. It's also a surprise. But yeah, but yeah, the 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 actual surprise was um, it uh, it it's, it turns into a game inside a game. It, it traps you into this uh, video gamey hell. And I really didn't expect that to happen. So um, overall, I I enjoyed how. Um, how different the environments were, how different your tasks were in each environment. It had puzzles, it had item collection, it had creepy atmosphere, it had a one um, close your eyes gimmick. And (laughs) yeah, I I really enjoyed those. I think um, overall, uh, the one thing that I didn't really like... um, the, the the mini games sort of took so much time sometimes to finish because I want to finish and just continue with the story, see yeah. what happens next. But then you, when you drive a car, there are these blockers, and you're trying not to hit those blockers. I think it just it just turned into so too much of a video game, like an arcadey thing. Because I was expecting a narrative driven thing, yes. which, which is a narrative driven, but it had those gamey yeah. moments that I wasn't a fan mm-hmm. of. But uh, other than those, it was a very uh, pretty game. It has, again, nice, really nice audio design. Um, and, and story in general was interesting, I think. Uh, being trapped inside a video game is not something 
people use very frequently these days and i think it's a, it's a pretty good idea ever since i watched jumanji when i was a kid <laughs> it was just uh, just a sort of like a like a captivating theme for me and then seeing it in this game was was a was a welcome surprise i i I enjoyed it in general. That moment that you mentioned, right? You start out sitting at the computer and you play this 2D horror game and then, you know, you end up in that level later on. And just going from playing it in 2D to then playing it in 3D when you're trapped in the game, you know, little things like that I find to be production value that, again, is seems to be far more complex than, again, something you might attribute to general PSX-style experiences would be. Um, and... I would definitely agree also in terms of, you know, there are a few gamey elements of this that it seems almost like it's an excuse just to kind of push the developer's own sort of, you know, I don't know, programming skills, if you will, uh, for lack yeah. of a better expression. But at the same time, you know, overall, I think that it it shows growth, right? And when we're returning to certain yeah. developers that are doing these bite-sized experiences, that's the thing that we want to look for a lot of the time, right? Is that we're seeing, are they just giving us the same experience, but instead of being in an apartment or a grocery store, this time we're, I don't know, in a hospital or something, right? It's more than just a location change. It's a furthering their own, you know, development style and the types of stories they want to tell. Uh, Neil, how did this one land for you? Um, so yeah, making me drive and park car is horror. It's hard, <laughs> to be honest. So um the first time it was like, yeah, line up at the bay. I was like, no, no, <laughs> please don't make me do this. <laughs> Just give me back the narrative. But um, no, really, it was a, it was nice to have that sort of uh, aside anyway. Um, the, the last time I remember it, oh, it was the game we played with the... Uh, Nighttime Drive? With, yeah, or the garbage truck game. Oh, uh, Cleaning Red Bull, I think. That's it, yeah. And, you know, just ha- having that so integral to it. Um it was nice to have a bit of it this time instead of um, worrying about it too much. Uh, you know, I liked the early part of the game because it reminded me so much of the shopping list and, and what I liked about that, you know, the weird encounters and you know, the Jordan's Jolly Jipper advert. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, my God, straight away I was like, yeah, this, this is great. And I was hoping there was going to be more like that throughout because it's like that's the sort of stuff that was just, yeah, everything about that advert was perfect to, you know, to... And it's something you could have missed. I like that yeah. as well. Yeah, you know, something like that that is missable. But having played like the previous game, it, the shopping list, you know, I knew to go. Yeah, let's say yes. Let's let's give them a bone here and like that. And so that was cool. Um, yeah, I do like that it goes in different directions. You know, and tries to be something more because I was worried a little to begin with that it would be, you know, derivative of what he'd done before. And maybe it was like a, a small, smaller project, maybe a spin-off, whatever. But yeah, when it started branching out to new things and trying new ideas, yeah, genuinely impressed. Um, can't say I'm as much of a fan of the second half of the game as a result. Um, I think the game that comes to mind is Observer by Blue Team. Yeah, which obviously has a similar thing of you know you jacking into people's memories and playing out their levels, if you will, um, which had a hit. You know, it was fairly hit and miss in itself, but um, yeah, I think it starts to get to the point where it's just trying to juggle a few too many balls, you know, and um, struggles with it at times. But um, the story is good again. You know, the shopping list as well was one where it 
started out like, yeah, this will be another one of those sort of things. I know where this is going. Sort of thing. And then it turned on a dime and it was doing some really interesting things. And I think this goes the same way. It could have been really hacky to do, you know, like, oh, you're trapped in a video game story and it go wrong. I mean, that Netflix film that came out, I think it was this year. Um, with Robert Abel? Uh, yeah. Yeah, his voice is in it, isn't it? It's, um, yeah, but um, that was an interesting idea for a bit, you know, about a video game bleeding into real life. And that, yeah, really lost it, you know, and game films and uh, sort of going into the game within a game thing, difficult to do. And I think this does it fairly, you know, it comes out fairly well, despite all that. Um, yeah, I, I think it was good. I didn't like it as much as this last game, but I think it started very strongly. And yeah, that advert is uh, making me chuckle every day <laughs> since I saw it. <laughs> I think that there's definitely uh, something to be said for at least two instances in this that like properly scared the shit out of me. And that was one where you have to crawl through the vents and then, Mm. you know, you start to hear something chasing you, which, you know, is like a very primal, primal kind of fear. Right. And then there were the other one is when you come into this room and I think there's like a half a dozen doors and all it says is like, you can't let them you can't leave the doors open because something will come out of them. And then you have to run around the room and basically try to close all of these doors. And while I never had anything come out of them, that anxiety of just like, Oh shit, I can't miss a single one. Otherwise it's game over. Like there's genuine slices of legitimate terror in this. Um, It was maybe just bringing everything together as a whole where maybe it was a little more ambitious than, uh, than it could actually kind of deliver on. But uh, Herc, before we take our break, I'd love for you to uh, introduce your next game for us. Uh, I would like to talk about Contempt. Um, so I, again, had my eyes on this game for a while because after the resurgence of PT, PT likes and, uh, I guess, Resident Evil mm-hmm. 7. And uh, I told you guys how I enjoy uh house horror mm. games um so i wanted to try this i think it was developed in about nine weeks by one person it uses um unreal engine yep. i think yeah yeah it, it uses unreal engine and it it has incredible visuals it's a it's a very short game and it is apparent that it is made to be a graphical demo mm-hmm. kind of project yeah. probably like a student project for the university um, but considering its age, I think I think it released maybe three, four years ago or mm. something. It really manages to give you that photorealistic horror house environment that got really popular with those games. Um, but yeah, it uses the house environment as its main scare factor. It's it's an abandoned house. Uh, it's narrow. It's enclosed. There are so many places a hidden threat could be hiding in. And if it's if it's their own house, which I don't think it is, <laughs> it's even scarier because of the invasion. But but in contempt, if yeah, if I understand correctly, you ex- you explore an abandoned house as a player, uh, maybe your relatives. It's not really that relevant. And while it is a very short experience it still managed to creep me out a bit with its sound design and visual cues Mm -hmm. Uh, like there was this moment in the in the house um, when you try to open a door or something uh, suddenly lights go out there's a red light coming from some room you see a silhouette there 
and you go into the room it's all dark it it was such a good composition in general uh but but yeah the whole house in general has a very expertly crafted composition i think i think that's important when it comes to these unreal engine created games or or unity i guess like i'm not a game developer i mean i am a game developer but i am a community manager uh so i don't really know the technical side of things but whenever i see these games these very shiny photorealistic games made with unreal engine the first thing that i think about hmm how much of this game is stock assets and <laughs> how much of it has been crafted and again here i don't know the exact amount maybe they're all crafted by themselves or maybe most of it was stock assets but even then regardless it was put together very well it had a good composition the developer really nailed that aimed for i guess photorealistic urban house environment I wish it had a bit more substance to it, mm. but uh, considering it's just a graphical show-off project, I believe it did the job, and it didn't even have to have such a creepy atmosphere. It didn't really go that far, but it really did, and I appreciate that. And I really hope the developer is still in horror business, and they're still making games, because they have the uh, the, the, sub- the the substance, they have the touch, they know... Absolutely how to make horror, it seems. So yeah, I I really liked it. That's really well said because, you know, I think that we can all agree that we've played our fair share of explore the haunted house in first person kind of experience, you know, like you said, PT, Resident Evil 7, the influence that those have had on so many indie offerings that are found on things like Itch.io and whatnot. But as you said, it's more about, you know, the composition of some very maybe standard uh, elements of haunted house exploration games, right? It's more about the little moments or the little touches that then make the overall experience, you know, more memorable than, you know, it might sound if you were just to describe it to somebody. I mean, for me, like the photorealistic thing immediately puts me on edge because I'm immediately wondering and worried, uh, what kind of photorealistic horror I'm going to come face to face with. So when in this experience, largely you don't really come face to face with them. I'm more impressed with how they're able to, you know, convey tension and convey dread through mostly smart sound design, right? You hear things in the house and whatnot. But again, like the quality of the sound design, you're almost able to perfectly pinpoint where things are coming from to the degree that it's not just like, oh, I heard a bump in the house. It's no, you heard a bump directly above your head or a couple paces from where you are. Um, and, you know, that moment you mentioned with the glowing red from that sort of utility closet where you have to go turn the power on was really, really, you know, unsettling and terrifying. Um, you know, of course, I wish that there had been maybe a little bit more. But at the same time, as we've said, it's more about being this atmospheric set piece that I also have to say just the way that the house is constructed, I found it to be not nearly as maybe video gamey as I was expecting. It feels like it's a lived in space, a space that, or perhaps a space that, you know, people were living in for a period of time, but have since passed away or something has happened to them and it's, you know, fallen into disrepair. But it doesn't feel like it's kind of just a Hollywoodized haunted house. It feels like it's an actual space that at one point, uh, you know, maybe had loving occupants in it, uh, for lack of a better way of phrasing that. But Neil, how did Contempt land for you did this do anything that uh kind of separated itself from other haunted house sort of exploration games we've played so 
to begin with, it was, I think mean, the highest compliment I can pay the game is I thought it was cheating. Yeah, I, I did wonder if they just found another house around the back of the one from Resi 7 at first, because I was like, this looks very strongly like it. And upon looking at the uh, development window of it at the beginning, find it came out months after Resident Evil 7 came out. Okay, but that. But then, so digging deeper, you find out the note he made all the assets himself. You know, it's all on his art station page and stuff. And I was like, "Well, that, that's very impressive." Yeah, I, as a student who has done nothing else on itch.io since yeah, in five years, so hope to think that they've gone and got a job in the industry based on this. So, yeah, it's a really impressive piece of work in terms of the structure of it. Like I said, it's a great compliment to it. I thought that they just nicked it from somewhere else because it really does look like it must have just come from something really big. And while, yes, as we explained before, you can see where sacrifices are made when you do things like this with you know, you know, high-end graphics and making something look really good, it means that you kind of miss out somewhere in the gameplay side and you're sort of walking from gameplay point to gameplay point to just fine. I mean... At the time, it was perfect for that because everything was trying to do the PT thing, you know, Resident Evil 7 included, you know, in terms of um, the way it was structured. So, yeah, I'm impressed with it on a technical level. I don't think it does a lot beyond a couple of moments uh, as a game, but, again, it feels very proof of, proof of concept. So, I, uh, you know, I can't... Um, little that in any way shape or form it is a remarkable piece of work for one person and to make it have that same feeling as a game like resident evil 7 you know just months after it actually came out is just outstanding you know that's that's great yeah i really do hope that you know, the reason they haven't made anything else since on itch.io anyway is that they've gone and got a job somewhere because it's it's good for that yeah, they've really nailed the atmosphere, though, I must admit. That is definitely there. It's just that we've seen many of these things and it doesn't quite hit some heights. But, uh, you know, you have to go one way or the other sometimes when you're doing these sort of small projects and proof-of-concept things. Maybe you go high on the scares and inventiveness with lower-end stuff or you build atmosphere through looks and style. And This is very much looks and style first. But, yeah, that, that cupboard scare is... Very good, yeah. As they go, problem is, as I said, it, it, we've seen it many times since, so it's kind of diluted it slightly. But in horror, we know that's the case. You know, scares can be done over and over again, and they can still work if they're well executed and it's done well, just not, you know, exemplary. I think that's probably the worst way. It sounds very down on it, but yeah, generally it is very impressive. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> well. I think before we dive into your last pick for the month, Neil, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll dive into your last pick, two more of Herc's, and then my final pick for the uh, for the month of October. And we are back for Horror Bites. And uh, Neil, why don't you introduce your last pick of the month? Yes, I will. I have picked a demo, uh, which is Dead River Prelude, which is a visual novel-style game, PC-98 inspired or visual style. It's the beginning of a story that involves witches, magic, and their choices. Yeah, as you know, a visual novel in the very classic style of it, not the more modern sort of ideal of it. So, you know, very chunky borders around everything and really grandiose looking stuff, which is 
yeah, it was very good in that sense straight away. I was like impressed with the, the you know, attention to detail of capturing that sort of PC ninety eight era of things. Um it's a very short demo, I might add as well, because you know it's very visual novel based, there isn't really much to do, so to speak. But um it's really making me intrigued for what's going to do. Um so something that was a bit off for me was that the writing is a bit choppy. You know, I think there there's some of it we like, mm, yeah, you need a bit of polish here and there and make it a bit you know more refined. it's um very clunky. But um I think the visual representation kind of works to sort of blank that out a bit, makes that more interesting. And the music, I really enjoyed the music as well. I think it's just different, you know, to have that sort of very folksy sort of thing going on. So, yeah, not a lot I can say more than that, really, because it is so short, but it is really distinct you know, in what it's doing. And uh, uh, when I pick these visual novel style things out, I always want them to have something striking about them. And I think going that down that avenue of like retro visual novel style is uh, a winner for, in that regard. Much like we said with House of Thyme, right? It's more about, are they able to do something in a short amount of time that makes it memorable or mm. unique? And while again, this is an incredibly short experience, I think that it does introduce at least one or two elements that you could see, you know, blossoming into something more substantial. Um, Herc, how did you get on with Dead River Prelude? Um, yeah, like in general, it was very short, uh, which is normal. It's a demo, um, but it has quite the charm and a very unusual style for today. Because when you look at visual novels today, you expect them to be these extremely clean looking yeah mostly anime you know they have they all have these colorful clean style which which is which is good that's an artistic decision but i would still want to see these old you know chuffy scruffy um uh, i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say dirty but you know (laughs) what i mean probably but so yeah like these have these sharp lines so seeing a game in this style again in this day and age it was very unique and as you said um it makes me look forward to it It, it's now a memorable experience for me it was also very text heavy which i appreciate it it is something that i care about when looking at visual novels Mm. because they have to be text heavy they're novels after all I'm not sure how much of a gameplay it's going to have, um, but considering the text size, I don't think it's going to have much. No. Uh, but, but yeah, but that seems to be the best approach, I think, because they're clearly trying to tell a story. And, and coming to this story, um, like Neil said, it had a bit rough moments. Uh, they tried to tell this uh, dark story about witches, like a, fairy tale because i i'm a bit interested in 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 witches and wicca in general um so i found it to be very fairy tale-y which made me giggle a bit (laughs) i was like yeah maybe you know ease down on that a bit like carrying uh, collecting berries and Mm -hmm. stuff yeah um but like at the end i think they really nailed the retro aesthetic it had a very pretty soundtrack i really liked it It, it made me go back to that time. Like, they really nailed that. Uh, but yeah, in general, I liked it. I bookmarked it. I'm going to be checking its development. I'm, I'm going to probably even 
uh, post about it in horror visuals. Like I, I really liked it. I want to see more of it. It was memorable, and yeah, I think that's the best compliment that we can give yeah. to them. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, sorry as well, that it, you know, this is supposed to be a prototype for a, a prequel to what they want to make, which is a survival horror game set in this universe as well. So Ooh. that's interesting. Yeah, so I don't yeah. think it's going to be like a big blown out, big visual novel thing as a result, but yeah, we'll still be more of it. But yeah, that is that would be cool to see where it goes from there. You know? mm-hmm. So I think... Yeah, even better. Yeah, <laughs> I think like one of the things we were saying there about, you know, how it's very um, a bit too cutesy on the old witches stuff is I think that might be a you know deliberate decision for the point in the story it's at and that it will get a bit darker and a bit more vengeful the way it seems to be going. <laughs> I was going to say the end of that is uh, some, half oh, of yeah. somebody's face falls off. So yeah, I think there's yeah. definitely, yeah. it's, yeah, yeah, it's going to go and delve into the darker side of, uh, of witchcraft. But, you know, I was, I guess, to take it back to like describing the visual style, you know, kind of along the lines of what Herc was saying, I would describe it as uh, purposefully unpolished, right? It kind mm. of, to make it look mm. a little more antiquated to, you know, capture the fact that it's set in whatever time period back in the day it is. But, you know, I'm interested in the idea of a witch's story that's not just about, you know, Salem, right? Or the Salem witch trials, which the story, the game references, but this is supposed to be, I believe, a group of witches that uh, derive from that same lineage or something like that, or the survivors of the Salem witch trials, which I think is an interesting facet of, you know, a time period having a little bit of a historical context, but not focusing on the one event that it seems a majority of, you know, Puritan witching tales are primarily concerned with. I think that that opens them up to a lot more uh, creative ideas or just, you know, unpacking a part of... Uh, of witchdom perhaps that we haven't seen previously, but yeah, you know, as a demo, I think that it still was evident of a little bit of rough edges, but it's a demo, right? It's going to have those things. And as we've been saying, like it's memorable. I think it's memorable for its art style. Um, and you know, see knowing now that it might flourish into something other than just another, I don't want to say just another graphic novel experience, but, you know, seeing it maybe have more of a gameplay focus than just the storytelling focus that we saw in the demo um, makes for something that could be truly interesting. And like Herc, I bookmarked it and I look forward to kind of seeing what the development looks like uh, in the future for that game. Yeah. So um, just to add to that as well, um, I think one of the things that really intrigued me about it was with me said about it being very PC-98, um, which is a Japanese sort of personal computer that came out. And, uh, one of the big games that came out that was Police Knots, you know, so very Kojima stuff. And it's funny that Herc was saying about, you know, it was refreshing that it wasn't very anime-styled, you know, like many of them are these days, because, you know, that was where that came from. You know, all the games that came out for <laughs> it were these sort of visual novels that were very anime-heavy. And to see something... Doing, going the opposite way for once. It, like, it's you know, something that comes from a place of anime inspiration to then go, no, we'll do it in a Western way, but have that aesthetic. Yeah, I was very intrigued. And it'd be nice if that sort of led into what they do with the survival horror and just sort of have that sort of continuation of uh, a very Japanese approach with a Western sort of look. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, yeah, it, there's definitely uh, enough shown in that demo that it makes it intriguing about what the future of that game looks like. But, uh, mm-hmm. Herc, would you introduce your next game for us? Uh, sure. Um, 
My next game is the Building 71 incident by Scary Cube. Um, it takes place inside a university building in Brazil at the end of 20th century, around 97 and 98. Um, so they decide to close down this whole university, this, this school building, due to a gas leak, apparently. But during this closure, so there would be rumors that some suspicious activity is taking place inside the school. So an employee simply decides to go in at night and see if there's actually suspicious activity going on. Like, are these Satanists that they are talking about these days? So um, the game has a very heavy, very heavy VHS style. And for the most part, it manages to nail that whole aesthetic with the sounds and visual effects. Um, it's pretty straightforward, as all you do is simply walk and explore your surroundings. It might even be a bit repetitive, uh, depending on where you look at it. Uh, just finding out what has been happening with these small, simple tasks that you easily explore, easily find out. You don't really get lost. Um, but the secret suspicious activities thing, in, in quotes... That you come across, I gotta say, have caught me off guard because I was really waiting for something like, "Hey, these are just you know Satanists. Uh, they're doing this weird, weird rituals. I mean, they are doing rituals, but I just didn't expect to see a cult worshiping the moon, <laughs> yeah. expecting themselves to become ascended to these higher beings. I presume yeah. it was very bloodborne, yeah. even which I appreciated a lot. It was, it's my favorite game. And I really appreciated the fact that the developer used environmental storytelling to show to the player how these cultists were performing their rituals, how they were worshipping the moon. Like, for example, in one of the uh, classrooms, you would go in and you would see uh, uh, some chairs just uh, just standing next to a, a window. Like You could see that they put those there to to watch them and to look at them and to appreciate them. And I, I really appreciate t t those small environmental details to just, just to, just to give a bit of a, of a rough idea of like how they're doing this. I, I really appreciated that detail because they didn't have to do that, but they did. So that, that, that was a good detail. But yeah, overall, it was a very enjoyable experience for me. And it was an easy to understand simple game. I, I don't know about you guys, but I value that a lot these days because I don't have much time to play mm. video games. And considering every single video game these days feels like they just want you to play for a longer period of time, there's something bite-sides, just, just narrative like this, just narrative piece. It felt refreshing in a way. I didn't really worry about anything. Yeah. I was just exploring. I was just curious about... What is behind this moon worshipping thing? I want to learn more. Maybe I'd be interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like in, in general, I really liked it. It could have been, it could have done some things differently. Maybe add some more danger to it because it's a horror game after all. And you sort of have to feel like you're in danger. But um, a good example of this inside the game was, I think... In the second sequence or the third, maybe you 
suddenly hear something coming upstairs from from downstairs and and the sound that it makes the 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 echoing sound of their footsteps that made me really jump up i was really expecting something to pop up but nothing really happens um and and yeah after that i think the game sort of goes into its last sequence but if there were more moments like that if they used the bathrooms for example more for more horror moments like i think it could have worked better it could have been more memorable that's it i think because it really doesn't give uh much in terms of being memorable but yeah overall i i like the game i think they're making more more of these incident accident types of games the developer i think uh if i remember correctly if it's the same dev so yeah i would i would love to see them just continuing this vhs incident uh, types of just small bite-sized bite-sized uh, stories yeah yeah absolutely i mean neil for you how did this uh how did this differ perhaps or how did this excel uh where maybe some of our other vhs styled experiences didn't um so yeah this is one of those i played actually played before which was a rarity but um yeah and i quite enjoyed it then but um yeah it's Got a vibe, a vibe to it that I quite like. It, it kind of, to begin with, especially reminded me of um, the Timo and Gareth Evans bit in VHS 2, Safe Haven. Yeah, and so you have that in mind, and that does lead to a little bit of disappointment if you're hoping that it gets as fucked up and crazy as that. But it, yeah, it's still nice when these uh, sort of connections to something that is actually found footage, you know, kind of films. And um I think a game that captures that. I mean, we've talked about that before, you know, where there are games that do capture certain found footage movies well, um, like the Catacombs and like uh, that one, which is basically the Ratma segment from VHS 94. And yeah, it's nice that you get that and then they go and do their own thing. Um, it's a good wander around, I think is the best way to put it, which is fine. Yeah, I think when you get these kind of experiences and they tend to leave you alone physically, but try to have a go at you psychologically. That's, that's certainly warranted. You can go that way and really get something out of it. Yeah. I like the idea of exploring abandoned buildings anyway. I, you know, I'm fascinated by it. So games that do it just, you know, scratch an itch. And, you know, and like I said, it's another one of those where it's short enough that you get a lot out of it. Yeah, you know, for for what it is, and yeah, it's hard to complain about that. I mean, it's a solo developer doing a decent job of it, making a good time out of it, and yeah, I think it's all right. Yeah, yes, there are better examples out there, but I think it connects to certain things I like, and that's enough for me most of the time. Yeah, you know. I think it was so funny that you mentioned the uh, VHS two segment because that's in my sh- my show notes that I've got going here. Um, <laughs> you know, that's our same frame of reference, and you know, I found that I was more appreciative of the fact that this leans more into maybe the psychological aspect of the building mm-hmm. itself rather than being overly concerned with again like the kind of run of the mill jump scares perhaps yeah. or things running at the screen, which is seems to be the go-to scare for so many of these types of experiences. But also to Herc's point, 
there's a lot of environmental storytelling here that I'm appreciative of. Things that you can miss, things that overall might not be all that important to the main narrative, but it's little touches that make it feel like it's a lived-in space, again, kind of like in contempt. It's not a space that necessarily feels like it's just constructed from assets that were lying around. It feels like, oh, well, this is an environment that shows actions from people that used to inhabit it who just aren't here at the moment, which I think is probably one of my favorite forms of storytelling. And especially when it's something like this that has such a familiar framework, a familiar setup, and yet it leans into that cult angle in a way that uh, I found to be really creepy and really, really unsettling. And, you know, like Herc said, the uh, the nods to like Bloodborne with the worshiping the moon type thing and the way that this ends on that like little stinger scare, um, I was a big fan of. Uh, and also just, you know, I'm kind of a sucker for revisiting certain environments, but something has either changed slightly or something fucked up is there now. Like that's yeah. that's kind of like a guilty pleasure of mine. So the fact that they play around with that, the perception of the building, the structure of the building and how that changes periodically uh i found to be very very spooky very creepy uh, a great game to play late at night when uh the wind is howling outside and whatnot so on to your second pick then yeah my final pick for the month is going to be acrophile from while game is false and acrophile is a point and click sort of game boy era style uh experience that follows two researchers who make contact with the tribe living in seclusion on an almost unapproachable island though once their excavation of the island begins the researchers naturally realize that they're in for more than they bargain for um i thought that right from the jump this game has a really interesting uh presentation right it kind of has this landscape mode um present or horizontal rather skinny kind of almost as if you have a game boy on your screen presentation yeah so nintendo ds style yeah Yeah. exactly and you know it is this point and click adventure with these very rudimentary graphics but the fact that you know you can perfectly tell what everything is despite the fact of how rudimentary the graphics are is like Mm -hmm. something that i was a fan of but also i'm just i'm taken with the idea of you know, exploring this place that, you know, you clear, these people clearly should not be in, right? You read about this in the mm-hmm. news once in a while. Researchers of some sort or, you know, whatever different groups get the idea in their head that, oh, we should go make contract with a, a tribe that's never had contact with the outside world, <laughs> which naturally never ends well for the people that go yeah. and disturb uh, people that are just trying to live their lives. But being put in those shoes and, you know, kind of knowing where this is going – I didn't really care because I was kind of caught up in uncovering the mystery, right? Because you come into contact with these tribes people that are all blue for some reason. And it's never explained. And the characters, well, let me back up for a sec. It is not apparent from the jump why that is. And the characters that you're playing as don't really inquire about that. Um, But of course, as the player, you pick up on that very uh, suddenly. And so trying to piece together, you know, the mystery of the island, the inhabitants, the sort of remnants of artifacts you find of people that perhaps had been there before you even, even though I thought nobody was supposed to have been there before us. um, It makes for a very intriguing sort of uh, mystery narrative. And also, you know, it is a rudimentary point and click game. But again, the presentation, the fact that, you know, it is point and click. It's not, you know, terribly difficult in terms of like the puzzles or anything like that, but I got something extra out of, you know, a level of depth in a point and click adventure that 
looks like it's a DS game that is not something that's all that uh, all that frequent. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think also just like the sound design, as we've been kind of saying with all these games, just because the game looks one way, the sound design I found to be pretty strong uh, in terms of just creating this atmosphere of this island where it seems as if it just rains 24 hours a day, um, which makes for a very kind of moody set piece. Um, yeah. There's also one, I, you know, I'm not going to get into the ending of the game. The ending, I think, has a great body horror kind of payoff that I really, really appreciated. But I think, you know, leading up to that, it does a good job of just unnerving with dialogue mainly. You know, you have these brief interactions with some of the locals and they say things that are like very ominous. Like one person that you encounter early on says, uh, you're very vulnerable when you sleep. And that's all they say to you. And you're like, uh, okay, well, what the fuck is that about? And then you kind of just go along your way and you try to dig up more artifacts. But a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of, you know, being uneasy, being unsettling is just done through brief snippets of dialogue that I found to be very chilling and they stuck with me longer than any sort of jump scare ever could have been in this game. Uh, there's also one section where, you know, you go through, I believe it's three days of being on the island and each night you have to go to sleep and the game makes you hold down a key basically to close your eyes and then you have to be in charge of just like when you want to open your eyes and, you know, there might be a bump or two in the night uh, during those portions, but it makes for a very unsettling and very, uh, very creepy game, despite what it may look like. Uh, Herc, how did you find Acrophile? Oh my God, this was one of my favorite <laughs> games that I played of these out of these uh, horror bites. I loved everything about this game, um, but first thing to to appreciate about this game for me was that it was a it was it felt like a full fledged just a, just a complete package i didn't ask for more it was perfectly packaged just it had everything i could ask for it had the perfect length like it was just a just the perfect package it had great presentation as a graphical style that we're not really used to seeing these days um which I, I really appreciate that they decided to use it. It was great seeing it again. I hope more devs use that style. Um, but, but yeah, like you said, you throughout the whole game, you talk to these blue people on the island and then the, the, the researcher people, they, they don't care about them being blue, but I'm going crazy <laughs> on my computer. Like, why are they blue? Why are yeah. they blue? You can't be blue. You can just be blue. And, and, the way they speak to you, firstly, they speak English. That's something. And the, the, the words that they use, the sentences that they performed there were so ominous, so creepy. Like they tell you, you are vulnerable when you sleep. And then the game gives you a sleep mechanic. You have to close your eyes. You have to listen to sounds. What are they going to eat me today? Are they going to stab me? What are they going to do to me? And they keep giving you these small tips and cues like hey aren't you aren't you worried that i'm just digging this ground here stealing your stuff and they're like they're unfazed by it they know why you're there and it is clear that they have some sort of a plan like they're they're not worried about anything they know things are gonna go where they have to go and 
I just I just love the whole premise of it. And and as you said, like I'm not gonna say what happens at the ending, but that was such a good way to end this journey. A, a grand body horror moment, and every question is suddenly answered. I mean, not all of them, but some of them, uh, which is enough. And in, in general, I really liked it. I think acrophile also means to uh, a person that enjoys um, height, I think. That really makes sense when you consider the context, that they go uh, up, up a mountain. Um, but but yeah, I, I really like this game. I, I am actually interested in their other projects. I haven't checked their uh, profile yet. I don't know if they have other projects, but wow, yeah, this this was such a good game. I loved it. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it as much as I did because it's one that, you know, when I... Neil and I always try to find the weirder entries of, uh, you know, the corners of Itch.io and Steam that we can. And I'm always, in the back of my mind, it completely doesn't make any sense based on how long we've done this for now. But it's like <laughs> the idea of like, oh, I hope this isn't too off-putting to somebody's interests or something like that. So I'm thrilled that you enjoyed it as much as we did or as much as yeah. I did. But uh, Neil, how did this land for you? Hopefully hopefully as well as uh, for us, because if not, I put you in an awkward stance. <laughs> I just say, I don't care. If I, if I, I just care if I like it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, a big problem I have here is I can't kind of spoil things, which means I can't really tell you what it reminds me of and why I like it. Um, so my my only hint is we did an episode on a game recently where I informed about the subject matter of that game and this has a bit of that and I've been on Jay's movie podcast before to talk about a certain Ben Wheatley film that um, has uh, relevance here as well and there's another film that's not as good that um, also has uh, connotations here too but with all that very vagueness out of the way um yeah, it's a very doomy feeling game. I don't mean the you know, shooter. I mean, like, it just has a real doom-laden vibe to it. It's just, you know, when everything just feels really oppressive in the way it looks and sounds and you just know something's happening. You have to sort of, you know, you know it's like in Clockwork Orange where yesterday his eyes sort of peered out you know, to, to view all the, the horrific sights and you can't look away and you can't look off it. And it's like that you are just stuck seeing these people not questioning things they should question. And it's like in a way that they shouldn't it's like, and it's a very deliberate decision. Yeah. When you think of um stuff like <laughs> my best example would be, you know, while completely different in subject matter is the film when the wind blows because yeah, it's an old doddering couple naively going through what they think's best for a nuclear apocalypse. And you just want to scream at the screen every time they make a really silly decision. But you know that you're just stuck watching them suffer for every little innocent mistake they've made you know, because they wouldn't have to do that. And this is a bit more like, well, you guys should maybe ask some questions, you know, maybe think a bit more about what this is. Why the hell are they speaking English? Why are there artifacts here, things that shouldn't be here? Why do you not question what these people are saying to you? <laughs> it's like the bit that unnerved me early on, I think after the first night, I think is where you go and talk to one of the, the, the natives and they 
they, you know, you casually ask about, oh, what do you do to eat then? You know, what, what do you eat? And they just keep answering, I don't understand. I don't understand. And it's just like, okay, that's, that was really effective, really creepy. Yeah. And I just, yeah, it has such a vibe to that. I hate saying vibe all the time, but it is just there. You know, but it really does just have that thing about it that just draws you in with despair and doom. And you don't want to see it go wrong, but you also do because you're like, surely they're not missing something. Surely that it's just my imagination and you know it's going to end badly one way or another. And yeah, it's just, I love that. I love that when something that goes outside the, the usual thing of, oh, there's a twist at the end or, oh, they're going to do this or, oh, something's going to ride in and save the day. Just to have something where you just feel from the outset that it's not going to end well. It feels like always great. Yeah. Yeah, which is why I compared it to said Ben Wheatley film, you know, which is very much of the same feeling. You know, it, there's an oppressiveness on screen all times, and the sound carries that, and it's perfect for that. It's, um, yeah, just really a lovely, lovely sort of atmospheric little thing that just, yeah, thickly oppressive. I'm glad that everybody enjoyed it as much as I did because it's the type of game where as soon as you finish it, like I'm going to run and go to Itch.io now and see what else they've made uh, previously because or, you know, having a bookmark so I can check in the future and see yeah. what their next project is because it's not just kind of the fact that they're telling the type of story that they're telling, but also, you know, the dis- the format or the, you know, the way that it's displayed, I found had just as much to do with overall, you know, the kind of atmosphere and vibes, as you mentioned, Neil, uh, as the actual subject matter of the narrative um, and that kind of just overall feeling of getting through this experience. Yeah, and it's a, it's apparently it's the first thing they've released. It's not the first thing they've made and they have ideas for whatever the next thing is in the works. So, yeah, they are doing something else after this. So it's good to hear. Well, they definitely have uh, three fans that are going to be looking forward to that, I think, in yeah, the near future, absolutely. hopefully. Um, but Herc, that brings us to your last pick for the month. All right. So my last pick is Next Door by Brack. This, I think, was my favorite pick out of my four games. As an avid fan of Junji, Junji Ito, seeing a game made based on one of his stories mm. has made me really excited about trying this one. It is a short experience, uh, just crafted with real passion, and you can really tell that when playing the game. The music, sound design, sprites, the pixel art, environment, everything comes together and creates this beautiful composition. Yeah. It, it's, it, it even sometimes gives you that very old, flashy game look, which I really appreciate these days. And, mm-hmm. and the plot twist uh, at the end really makes the game for me. And during the whole playthrough, it just never stops making you question. It makes you curious as to what is actually happening in this building, inside that room, inside next door, and what might they be hiding in there. The game had stellar music. I think it's it's made by uh, Clement Panchard. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also he's also been a, a long time member of the community, um, and uh, the suspense thanks to the music, builds up so well. And something else that I really appreciated about is 
So the characters, when they speak, they would have these small portraits at the, at the corner, and they would they will suddenly change depending on their emotions, on on what they're saying, how they're saying it. And I really appreciate that because that's something you don't really see these days. They they usually just create one portrait, one or two portraits for every character and just use them. But in this one, they were ever changing. They were just they they helped you understand what the characters were thinking in such a short experience, which was very important for me because, um, you know, uh, it, it helps you better understand the story, better immerse yourself in the story. It also had one of Junji Ito's cats, which I really appreciated. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the the suspense in general, I think the games is the game's highest point. What sells this game? The suspense builds up so well until you find out what is happening exactly. And I really appreciate that because mystery, I think, is one of the most important aspects for a horror game. And when it's used right, it creates the perfect series of sequences for a horror game. It just helps you be immersed more in, in this game because... Scaring someone isn't that hard. If you know how to use these in-game mechanics, maybe put a jump scare here and there, or just create a creepy atmosphere, it's it's very easy to do. But creating a mystery around such an alien story, I think, is very challenging. And they nailed it perfectly in this one. I really enjoyed this. I even want to play it again to see the other ending, because I assume there is at least one more ending. Um, so yeah, I will definitely go back to it. This is why we knew you'd be a great guest because you just highlighted one of the elements that, you know, I find to be the standout, which is those portraits, right? And that kind of will bleed into the next thing that I'll bring up. But, you know, like you said, typically we're used to these very static, singular portraits of a character, right? Whether that be, again, the scope of the project, the amount of allotted time to complete the project, but in this, you know, it does such a great job of putting us in those characters' shoes who, again, we are only going to be around for maybe I think the experience takes less than 10 minutes or so. But it's the type of thing where, you know, getting to get a immediate updating on their emotional state in this moment of, you know, dealing with this mystery, the uncertain uncertainty and whatnot um, does a lot to invest you in these characters who otherwise, you know, they're easy to describe. It's the noisy punk rocker upstairs and the the study bug downstairs, right? And, you know, the fact that, that we're able to get an updating on their emotions almost in real time with as they're, you know, uncovering more and more goes a long way in us actually caring about these people who otherwise, you know, we wouldn't know anything much more about them than what I've already described them as. Um, and I think also just the way in which character animations are so expressive, right? I think in the very beginning, your character just looks like any other character that's walking. But as they become more concerned with what's happening, the uncertainty of what is going on in that apartment, it's all very strange. But what is actually at the core of what's happening? You know, her arms begin to cross when she walks or it almost looks like she's walking a little bit slower as if she's anticipating coming across something that could potentially, you know, do her harm or something. And those little details I really appreciate in a game that, you know, I don't even know how you would describe the graphical style, but from afar, you can't make out anybody's face, really. So the fact that they use the portraits to keep us in the loop about their emotional state and 
we can at least read their body language and how that evolves. I found to be a really impressive piece of storytelling. How about you, Neil? What did you think of Next Door? Yeah, the little details here do a lot of legwork. You know, they, they really help sell things. And yeah, those portraits, one thing, but like little incidental animations that come up as you go past the corridors, uh, you know, like a bug coming out of a wall or like some curtains flapping in the breeze. Little things that add life to an otherwise static area. And the sort of letterbox um, viewpoint you get really works for, you know, hallways and, and uh, so well, um, in the same way that Lone Survivor did so well. You know, that it has that sort of, you know, it's not interested in showing you anything else, but it's not going to zoom in too much. Uh, it's, yeah, giving you a wider picture of what's going on and allowing little things to sort of creep in in the corners or even detention um, yeah yeah detention again very good example yeah. um yeah as a, yeah it was great to see that it was clement's music yeah you know, he obviously we covered uh, night of the gates of hell recently and he did the music for that and it should i almost recognized straight away that it was his music which is clearly showing you know that he's an emerging talent in this you know in the music uh, for games industry because had that sort of synthy doomy sort of vibe and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I like this and I was thinking, it sounds like it's got something about it that really reminds me of something. And I was like, ah, yeah, then I saw it. She said it's Clement music, so that was great. Um the ambiguity early on as well, it does it so many favours too. Like just not really understanding where it's going to go. Especially you know, you have no reference point for that story. Um because we, we've seen this play out many a game, and uh, the outcome is usually quite stock standard. And so by tapping into Ito stuff, it really does um, feel a bit more surprising when things go a bit weird. You know, and uh, yeah, it's great to see an Ito-influenced game that doesn't automatically go for the look, First and foremost, uh, I've played a couple of games in recent times that do go for that look. Uh, World of Horror is one, of course. And that's great. Yeah, especially as they also try and do the sort of the unexplainable is happening and here, blah, 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 that's all going on. But here, it manages to do the, the correct thing, which is to get the essence of what Ito's work does well, which is create these mad unthinkable situations look normal but also just horrifying and really just keep moving through in a very you know not unstructured but in a way that doesn't fit a normal horror structure you know it's like yes you know you're going to be introduced to something at the end that is like a reveal but it's not always the end it's not always the the, the stab at, at it and and way this ends is quite like that you know it's um when that reveal happens you know it in terms of games it felt very fresh and interesting you know to to take that sort of idea and then leave it with that ambiguity and mystery to it at the end yeah i think it's really smart idea really smart idea to do that yeah i also my other reference point for this game was uh like dark water 
Yeah, that was like the thing for me where I was like, we've played other apartment or horror games that take place in apartments, obviously, even some that are this uh, this 2D side scrolling. Uh, I think we did one that was called, what was it, like apartment cleanup, Neil, where you play a janitor basically and you have to clean up. Um, yeah. But anyways, like this one, I thought it did a great job of starting with a common nuisance that anybody that's lived in an apartment building or a dormitory has dealt with, right, is the loud neighbor. And seeing how yeah. that, you know, spirals and evolves and influence, uh, includes, you know, uh, an Ito story, I thought was really, really well done. Doesn't lead too heavy with, you know, the thing that every that most people know it's going to be building towards, um, which I'm always a fan of, right? They're having the, the wherewithal to be like, okay, Let's start with something that's grounded that everybody can relate to, and then we'll go into this increasingly demented uh, direction. But yeah, Next Door was definitely definitely a, a highlight of the month, uh, and it was one that I think definitely definitely spooked the three of us uh, in proper fashion. Yeah. But uh, I think that's going to do it for us for this edition of Horror Bites. Uh, Herc, I'd like to extend a special thank you to you for coming on and being our first guest for Horror Bites. And uh, you definitely brought us a uh, almost a handful of uh, definitely memorable bite-sized horror experiences. So thanks, man. Yeah, it's, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This was very exciting and I was very happy to accompany you guys with these games. Yeah, I am... I, um... I am excited to see what you guys are going to do with these series. I can't like, wait to uh, just listen to the next one after this and the next one after that and see what you're going to do. Because it is important, I think. Uh, there aren't many initiatives in the horror genre mm -hmm. for these. Um, people usually do these for other genres because they're more popular. Yeah. Horror is still... While it's more popular, it is still a very, very niche mm -hmm. genre. And I really appreciate that you guys are doing something for the genre very uh, regularly too. On a, on a, on a... So yeah, I, I really appreciate this. Uh, thank you for having me. And and I had no idea that I was the first guest. Wow. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, like we had said, you know, at the beginning, uh, for again, reiterate for folks that are listening that maybe aren't familiar with your page at Horror Visuals on Twitter, considering you do such a great job of, as we said, you know, being a curator almost for so many different indie titles that, you know, even some of them, Neil and I would have never heard about if you hadn't tweeted about mm -hmm. them. So, you know, having you on was a no brainer and uh, yeah, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on your feed for, uh, for potentially some ideas uh, for games that we could cover in the future. But yeah, man, this was a pleasure. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. If you enjoy the show, please rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Safe Room Pod for show updates. You can also drop us an email over at saferoompod at gmail.com if you'd like to share your thoughts on a game we're going to cover. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next Monday.